<laughs> Amen. Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of James. We're going to be in the book of James tonight, chapter number three. Our sermon title is Blowtorch, and that's a good name for some people. Blowtorch. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But look with me at James chapter number three, and we got several passages here. We're going to start in verse number one. James chapter three and verse number one. It says this, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Listen, guys, when you get right down to it, there's really nothing in this world nearly as important as words, is there? Or strong and powerful. Oftentimes, we give no thoughts to our words, but almost everything that we do in life, this moment is built upon words and communication. If you don't believe that words are important, I pulled out a couple of uh, marketing mistakes. And just to kind of show that using the right words and that words are important. Look at this next slide. When Coca-Cola began selling Coca-Cola in... China in 1928 and named it uh, K-O-K-A-K-O-L-A. And unfortunately, they discovered too late that the Chinese characters for those, uh, for those words means to bite the wax tadpole. I just don't think anybody's interested in biting the wax tadpole. And so they had to change it. Sales didn't go very well. Uh, look at this next slide right here. Some of you, you're too familiar with this. Uh, the Coors slogan, uh, they tried to use the, the slogan, turn it loose there at one time. And in Spain, it didn't go very well uh, because uh, in, in Spain, when that phrase is uh, used, because when it was translated, it literally meant to suffer from diarrhea. <laughs> and I hope you do. And look at this next one. Next one, it was the, this isn't the actual product, but... Uh, Clairol, when they first introduced their mystic, it was a, a curling iron, and they rolled it out in Germany. The problem was that in the German language, they found out that the word mist that they were using was slang for manure. And so they were trying to sell manure sticks to German, uh, German ladies. 
it didn't go so good. Words are important. The book of James shows us that uh, when you have faith in God, he gives us this idea of what consistently faith looks like. How faith responds in certain, certain situations and how real faith conducts itself and how we should examine ourselves whether or not we actually have real faith. James is telling us that we will consistently respond or react or act in certain ways when we really have faith in Christ. He shows us how it worked. Uh, we've looked in troubles and temptations with truth. Now he's going to tell us how it works with the tongue. And there's, as we look at these verses uh, tonight, uh, you're going to notice that he is relentless, man. He cuts no slack, making the point about controlling the tongue. Now, there's more found here about controlling the tongue in this chapter than anywhere else in the Bible. But James really emphasizes it. Why does James emphasize it so much? Look at this next slide right here. Because the easiest way in the world to sin is with the tongue. It's the easiest way. It takes very little effort to sin with your mouth. Your, tent, your tongue can throw darts, it can fire bullets, and it can drop bombs anywhere, anytime, anyhow. It's no wonder that God put your tongue in a cage right behind teeth walled into your mouth. Now, I don't mind telling you some of the greatest mistakes I've ever made in ministry, I've made with my tongue. Because I like to flap my gums. Amen? I didn't ask you. How many of you know that sometimes preachers can preach in the flesh and not in the spirit? Right? Sometimes you'll let it eat. That's what I call it. You let it eat. You plow that field and you walk away. You're the only one that felt good about it. And you don't feel good for it, about it for long. Like many of you, I've learned that the tongue can build or it can bruise. It can help or it can hurt. Uh, it can stop fights, but it can start wars just with the mouth. Now, whoever come up with that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Uh, they're either hearing impaired or they've had a frontal lobotomy because that's not true. And anybody that tries to tell you that words do not hurt them and they're, they're just pretending to be some kind of a macho thing that doesn't exist in this universe. Words hurt. Words can hurt you. They can not only hurt you, but they can kill you. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Woo, the word is good. Listen, we all use words. We all use good words, and sometimes we use bad words. We've all used words that hurt people. We've used words that heal people. On a consistent basis, though, James is going to teach us that to walk in fellowship with Christ, that when we have real faith, we're going to be able to control our tongues because God gave us our tongues to use. And we, you, that's right. You too, baby child. Listen, God has given that tongue uh, for you to use and to use in a proper way, to use it warmly and use it wisely. Now, here's how you can make sure to control your tongue instead of letting your tongue control you. So what are we supposed to do with our words? With our words, number one, write this down. We should preach truth. Preach truth. There's no room for dishonesty in the mouth of the believer. Now go down to James chapter 3. Look at verse number 5 for a second. It says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Big things really do come in small packages. And there's nothing so big in such a small package as the human tongue. Have you ever thought about how just one word or two words or three words can change your life forever? How a few words can totally change a situation or a perspective. I mean, for example, imagine you're sitting in a courtroom and 12 people enter the room. And then one man points a finger at you and says, guilty. 
That'll change your life. That one word can immediately separate you from your family, take away your freedom, cut you off from the outside world, ruin your reputation, and maybe even take your life. Guilty. Think about these two words, I do. With those two words, you can become enslaved forever. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you didn't say nothing that time, Scott. <laughs> Think about what those two words, I do, will do. They will determine what your children look like. Choose wisely, people. They'll determine what your grandchildren will look like. They'll de make that simple decision to say, I do, can plot a course for generations. There are three words that every child learns. It's very important for every child. Three words we all know, but three words I know that my children learned and three words I know that Amber Baby specifically learned. Those three words were, he did it. He did it. That's why James begins this passage with these verses. Go back up to verse one. It says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive. A By the way, I've loved, you know, the, the meme, the, the woman in the cat meme that we're all should be pretty much over with by now. If you know what I'm talking about, I mean, you should be. You should be wrapping that up anytime now. Okay, it's okay. If we wrap that up, I'm just putting that out there, PSA. We can kind of wrap that up. But it's pretty funny why it lasted. But my favorite ones are the ones that are related to the church, you know. I feel like God's called me to preach. And they're like, you know, you won't even fold chairs. And, you know, God, I feel like God's called me in the ministry, you know. You don't even get out of bed on Sunday. What are you talking about? Well, James here says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter Judgment. So many people fall into the ministry, and whether that's preaching or teaching the Word of God, and they fail to recognize that God is going to hold you accountable. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in, the word, in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. That's why we've got to be careful, again, especially as teachers and preachers of the Word of God. My job is to teach you the truth from God's Word. It's not supposed to be my opinion. It's not supposed to be what I wish God said or what I think God should have said or even what I think God might have said, but what God did say. Look at this next slide. I will be held accountable for every single word, for every single message that I have ever preached. And that scares me to death. But you know why I don't live in fear of that? It's awesome and we should tremble because I know my God is good. That God loves me and that he is for me. And you know, he knows I was dumb when I said those dumb things. Amen. But the truth is, I will be held accountable for every word and every message I have ever preached. That is a great accountability and a great responsibility. But you're not off the hook. Uh, just as believers, we're called to speak truth, aren't we? Whether to our children or our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors, employees, we're to be people of the truth. That is our job. Now, truth and great. Now, we talk about this often here, but I feel like I need to remind you that telling the truth never has to be ugly, never has to be mean. You know, does this make me look fat? Yes. How could you say that? Well, I didn't want to lie to you, right? Often we use the truth as a battering ram to beat people into submission. That's not what we're referring to. But we should be people who speak truth in grace and in love. Now look what James says in verse 2. He said, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. Any of y'all know any perfect men right now? Able to also to bridle the whole body. I mean, if you can control the, your tongue, you can control your, and your body, you can control your life. Look at this next slide. Speech control leads to self-control. 
If you can control your tongue, man, there's almost nothing in your life that you cannot bring under submission and control. But you always have to begin making sure that when you do use words, you use them to tell truth. We preach truth, the gospel truth. Make sure your mouth doesn't come back in to bite you. Number two, with our words, we also should protect others. Protect others. Now, what do I mean when I say protect others? We should protect others from our words. I don't know about you, but I could spew acid in a heartbeat. Can you? Right? I mean, I could cut somebody down to size. If I just let her rip, I could just wear you out. I should protect people from my sinful nature and from my tongue. It's my responsibility not just to lash out. You know who takes the brunt of most of the time when you're in a bad mood or you're stressed out, maybe your guard is down or maybe you don't have control of your tongue. You know who suffers the most from that? The people you love the most. And there's a lot of regret to be found in taking advantage of the fact that somebody loves you and using your tongue Right? And they're usually the recipient of something that was never even for them is because of some Yahoo over here. And then you're just frustrated and you're, you're, that container just leaks all over everybody that you actually care about. You need to protect others from your sinful capacity to hurt them with words. Look at verse 3. James says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. What James is saying is like a small little bridle can control a great big horse and a little bitty rudder can steer a giant ship through the ocean. The tongue can become the little tail that wags the big dog. The big dog needs to wag the tail. You're going to see in just a moment some people ought to be required to have a permit to use their mouth because their tongue is a loaded weapon. They hurt people everywhere they go. And James compares the tongue to fire, man. Look at verse 5, the imagery of his words. He says, see how great a force the little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a word of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. I wonder how James feels about this. James says the tongue is literally like a blowtorch. It's a spark in a forest full of dead trees. You know, it only takes a spark to start a fire. And one word can be that spark. And you can be guilty of verbal arson just with one or two or three or four words. There's a reason why James calls your tongue and my tongue a fire. Because you can burn people with your words, can't you? You know that you can because you have. Believe me when I tell you this, I've, I've known a few flamethrowers in the church over the years. And I can tell you as a pastor in several churches, I've seen way too many burn victims and I'm kind of over it. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to that used to go to church or maybe stayed out of church for a while. Or maybe they're back in church, if at all. Well, look at this next slide. And the number one reason most people will give you for leaving any church, whether it's even true or not, but the number one reason is because somebody burnt them. Because somebody burnt them. How do they burn them? With their words. With their words. With their attitudes. That's how we burn people. Right? There's some married people uh, right now whose intimacy is destroyed because their trust has been totally devastated because one burned the other, the other burned the other one. Fire is dangerous. 
I mean, think about it. Something as simple. Imagine if you were sleeping in your home and a fire started in the living room in a wastebasket and that fire starts and it catches onto the the curtains and then it begins to catch fire and envelop the house. How much time do you think you'd have to get out of that house? Well, look at this next slide. Do you think you'd have one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? How much time would you have? One. If you're lucky. In a real fire, survival is measured by seconds. There's no time to collect valuables or get dressed even or call the fire department. You call the fire department when you get out. Sometimes fires are explosive. All that gas accumulates. It doesn't just burn. It explodes. To see how a typical family could survive a fire, uh, the National Fire Protection Association set a fire in a wastebasket, just like what I was describing in a living room of a house. And what happened was within two minutes, the fire alarm went off. Within three minutes, downstairs was completely enveloped in flames. In five minutes, anybody still in that house would have been graveyard dead. Fire, man. And James describes the power of the tongue, the venom of the tongue, like a fire that can burn people. Now, though we've all been guilty, I would imagine, of firing a flame without ever thinking. Many times I've thought to myself, you know what, I I spoke up too soon. I spoke too soon. Rarely do I think to myself, I spoke up too late. Usually, if I regret words, it's words that are spoken quickly, not later. Every time you open your mouth, you've got the ability to burn a relationship, to, to, to burn, a, burn down a friendship, and to burn somebody completely out of your life. It could be that, why doesn't she come around anymore? Why don't we ever hear from him anymore? Why don't they ever come see? It could be that you burned them down with your tongue one too many times. Or maybe you was burning down someone else one too many times and they realize if they're doing that to everybody else, what are they doing to me when I'm not around? James is relentless here. He switches metaphors. Look at verse number seven. It says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So he switches over from fire to poison, right? Your mouth can be verbal cyanide. With just one word, you can poison someone's reputation. You can poison someone's perception of someone else. With just a few words, you can change someone's opinion about somebody else. And he uses this reference of taming animals and reptiles and creatures of the sea. And you know how many animals... Uh, will attack another creature, especially a larger creature, a stronger creature, is by attacking them by biting them where? On the back. On the back. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen the um, animals on the plains of Africa and how they attack and how they fight. Look at this next slide. The term for that is backbiting. Backbiting. That's a good term. When you use words to bite into the back of another person. That's how wild animals kill each other. And that's how church members kill each other, too. Through backbiting. All right? I heard about a woman who went to the doctor one time. I think I've told you this before. I don't care. I like it. I heard this one woman. She went to the doctor one time and she was sick. And the doctor was examining her and said, ma'am, have you been bit recently by an animal? Because yes, I have. He said, I hate to tell you, you've got rabies. You got rabies. She goes, oh, goodness. She reaches in her purse, grabs out the little notepad, flips it over, takes the pen, starts writing down. Doctor's like, well, what are you doing? Are you, it's not that serious. You know, we give you some shot. We'll take care of this. Uh, are you writing out your last will and testament? And she was like, no. He said, well, what are you writing out? She said, I'm making a list of all the people I'm fixing to go buy. Amen. <laughs> Rabies, bag body, the tongue. 
The tongue is a poison. Much much like anything else that would use to hurt someone, we can use the tongue. Too often, what we do with our tongues uh, is to hurt people when God has called us to protect others with our words. We need to remember that our tongue is a fire and our tongue is a poison. We should be careful in what we say, when we say, where we say, and how we say it. There's a time and place for everything. I'm reminded about the, the need for people to learn how to control their tongues every time Grace Baptist Church gets together for choir practice. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Sometimes it seems like we've got at least 15 choir directors and we're short several choir members. That's the truth. Could you imagine sitting up here trying to lead a choir of people snapping their fingers at you? Hey, 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 why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't we should be careful what we say, when we say it. Why we say it and how we say it. There's a time and place for everything. There's a time and place for every talk and discussion. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Too many of us are too old and have yet to discover the right time, the right place, and the right way. Do it the right way. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, Brother Marcus, am I talking about you? It's entirely likely. Number three, write this down. The third thing. Third thing. Listen, if it's you, just take it from the Lord and the, and the heart that it was delivered. But you needed to hear it. I'm reminded of this every year. Every year. Praise God. We should use our tongue to praise God. Praise God. We need praise God by our words. See, so often we spend, oh, look, look, look at verse 9. James says it perfect. He says, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth receive blessing and cursing. Woo, he says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Uh, does a spring, spring uh, send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. He says, out of the same mouth receive blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. He is getting so personal here. He's talking about church people. And what is he saying? He's saying this. You come to church on Sunday morning and you praise Jesus. You go to work on Monday, Monday morning and you run down everybody in the church. My brethren, it, not, it shouldn't be so. He's saying the same tongue that we're using to praise God. We're using that same tongue to rip people to shreds. It shouldn't be so. Listen, James doesn't care about our feelings. He just gets personal. In essence, he says real faith doesn't do that. But so many people do. And he's just dealing with the life of the believer. Again, those words out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things are not to be so I don't know how many times I have preached a message here at Grace Baptist, not that often, but this has happened where I've preached a message or something, maybe a message like this, and I know sooner to get home and maybe I'm complaining about something or whatever, and one of my kids will quote my sermon, amen? The brats. Terrible. Y'all pray for me. There it is. How often are we all guilty, Right? 
of blessing God with the same tongue and then turn around and using it or complain, you know, with having a bitter spirit, a bitter attitude or, or burning someone else down with the same tongue that we just finished blessing God with. My brethren, not, not to be so. He says real faith doesn't do that. Real faith always asks questions about the words that it uses. And maybe you're like, and maybe you're like me. I have to talk. Things. I'm a talker. Have you noticed? And I like to talk things out. I feel bad for Jennifer, right? I'll come in the office and it might be sermon related or some kind of thing. And I just sit there and have to talk. Now, you may not know why I'm talking, but I just got to talk. That's how I make up my mind. That's how I make decisions. I make decisions out loud. Sometimes in my office at home, I'm just talking to the wall. And Alicia will call out from the other, are you talking to me? Nope. <laughs> just thinking things through. I do it with sermons. Sometimes I'll call Alicia in there while I'm preparing a sermon. I've got a little, a little couch in there in my office at home. And I say, Alicia, can you come here for a minute? Sit down. And then I'll just start preaching at her. I say, what are you doing? And she goes, yeah, you know. And, and she'll start to give me her opinion. I say, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I just need to say it out loud. Thank you. Sometimes what I'm telling you is you need to, Listen, this idea of taming the tongue isn't about... It's not about not expressing yourself, not having people that you can be real and honest with. And it's not about not having an opinion. It's just about make, making sure that what you're doing is for the right reasons, right? For the right purpose, with the right heart and the right attitude. Sometimes I've got to say it out loud to hear how stupid it is. Or if I've got a complaint, I have to say it out loud. You know, I'd be like, hey. Hey, Scott, blah, 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 blah. and then I hear it out loud, and I think, hmm, what am I even complaining about? You know, you know what I'm talking about? But God wants you to use your tongue in such a way that we praise him, and it's a blessing to others. Real faith asks questions. Is this going to bless God? Is this going to build other up, others up? Would I say this in the presence of both the person that I'm talking about and the God who created my tongue to use to bless him? So let's get personal for just a moment. Let's get practical. Look at this next slide. Who have you burned? Who's burned you? We've all been burned, man. Can I tell you the most powerful words in the English language? I am sorry. Please forgive me. Maybe you're a burned victim. Maybe you're guilty of burning someone with your tongue. You need to find that forgiveness or find that repentance so that you can get over that hurt. You know, scientists are telling us it's a theory that sound waves never stop. So once you say something and those sound waves go out into the universe, they never stop. That they go on forever. And that if we actually had the correct technology and the capability, we could capture that sound wave of anything that's ever been said in all of time. And we could hear it and listen to it. Amen. Now, that's wild to think about. Right. But the truth is, every word that I say, every word that you say is being recorded by God, the God that created the tongue. And it spoke those words to uh, begin with. He knows everything that we're saying. Look in your notes at Matthew 12, verse 36. 
It says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Your words reveal faith or a lack of it. If your faith is real, your words will bless God and your words will build others. If your faith isn't real, you're going to be in the hap- you're going to be a blowtorch. Burning people down everywhere that you... You know, that's one of the most discouraging things about social media, isn't it? You, almost anything, like for on Twitter, I, my, my social media use is basically divided into a couple of things. Facebook is pretty much dedicated to my family and Grace Baptist Church. Twitter is split pretty evenly between uh, Tennessee athletics, football, and theological people, okay? Theology people and evangelical life, other Baptist leaders, friends of mine, ministry, and things like that. That's probably 99% of my Twitter activity. And it doesn't matter. Anywhere you go on social media, somebody can post the most well-meaning, thoughtful, caring thing. All you got to do is look at the thread to be discouraged. See what everybody else said and how ugly and how, well, brother, what about this? And you didn't say this. Well, you know, in the Greek, it says this. And what about this? And did you know about this? And what about that? And then you just look at it. And that's the most discouraging thing in the world. Are we using our words Written, sitting behind a computer screen on our cell phone? Are we using our tongue to bless God and to protect others, to praise God, to share the truth with people? Or are we just using our words as a weapon to burn people down and to poison them so that somehow we can have a momentary feeling of superiority that doesn't last? And never satisfies. James says real faith will seek to protect others and share the truth and praise God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for this book of James that just pulls no punches. God, I just pray that we, your people, can, God, that I can have more of your wisdom to understand how I should use my words and the the effect that just a few words can have on people. God, forgive us uh, for those times where we've burnt people. Lord, especially if we didn't even realize it, God, help us. God, to seek repentance and forgiveness as needed. Lord, may we be people where when people encounter us, they know that they've been with somebody who has been with you. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you recognize that your words, man, they're not that good. And that if you were to just kind of be honest with yourself for just a moment, you have ugly words, you've burned people, verbal cyanide, all of that, because your heart is kind of ugly. You don't have peace with God. And because you don't have peace with God, You don't have peace with really anybody else either. And what you need is the forgiveness found in Christ Jesus. You need Jesus. He's the only one that can make that difference in your life. To change you from the inside out. Make you a new creation. Give you a new heart. He'll give you a new tongue. A new reason to speak. A new desire how to use your words. But it starts with you coming to him for forgiveness. Have you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as as your Lord and Savior? 
Scripture is clear. It says anyone who calls on him shall be saved. Have you called on him? This could be the most important moment of your life. You need Jesus. Why don't you pray right now, right there in your seat, and simply say, Father God, pray. Say, Father God, I'm a sinner. But Lord, I turn from my sin, and I'm turning to you. Tell him, say, Lord, based on your death, burial, and resurrection, your sacrifice for my salvation, save me, Jesus. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. Save me, Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you pray that prayer, to make that decision public. Maybe you've prayed that prayer some other time in one of our other worship services. There's some other point, And you know that you need to follow through in believer's baptism. Why don't you come tonight? We'll schedule that time for you, pray with you. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a believer, man. And, and maybe you're kind of like me. You recognize that, you know, sometimes I'm a little loose with my tongue. See, guys, in my life, I use playing around as an excuse. And what I've learned is I've matured and grown closer to the Lord that many times when we're playing around, we can hurt people and don't even know it. We can say things that we don't mean, but we think we're being funny. Unintentional. I call it friendly fire. Could it be tonight that you're even a, a little bit guilty of friendly fire? That with your words, you've been careless. You haven't hurt people intentionally. But you've hurt them nonetheless. And, and you need to repent of that and ask God to give you better discernment with your words. Maybe you're here tonight and you recognize that your baptism and your salvation are out of order. We get saved and then we get baptized. That's the order that God has given us in Scripture. That's so common for so many people. And you need to get that right. Maybe you're like, I need to feel closer to God. Listen, until you start walking in obedience, he's called you to be baptized. Once you come tonight, we'll schedule that for you and set that up for you. Maybe tonight God has spoken to your heart about being a part of the Grace Baptist family. It's an act of obedience as well. It's time to come and make it official and be a part of the Grace Baptist family. To serve right here at Grace. Whatever it is tonight, I want to encourage you on this Sunday night to be obedient and respond to how God is calling you to respond. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified.